Laura, Tony, thank you for coming here. <laughs> this is a very professional podcast we're going to do. Um, it seems real fucking professional. <laughs> I'll be professional. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. The easiest way for us to start these things is from the start. So if we can figure out how you got in here first, Tony, and then yeah. we run to you, Laura. Yeah, and then we he's get been that. here a lot longer. So, Tony, how, how did you end up getting into Westside and meeting Lou and everyone here? Um, you just Jerry told me the story the other day. Yeah. So, Jerry O, um, I was training at a gym called Power Shack in Westerville with Paul Keys, and um, we went to some meet at a power shack out in Hilliard, and uh, Jerry was there. He was like, hey, man, you should come to Westside. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never done a bench meet, nothing ever. But I was strong, but I was training with Paul, and Paul wanted to do – he was doing the bench meet out there. So Paul goes, uh, man, we should go. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. So me, you know, Jerry hooked it up, and we came out to Westside – it's like two weeks later on a Wednesday, and uh, we came into Westside on a Wednesday night, and um, we uh, we I met Louie and shit, and you know, and the rule back then was you had to bench five hundred and a meet to even get in Westside. So I'm standing there with Jerry, and he's like, "Hey, yeah, Lou, this is Tony." He's like, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, Louie, <laughs> uh, you strong? I'm like, "Yeah, I guess." And, and Jerry immediately goes, yeah, he's been 500 before. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck. I was like, he's like, oh, yeah, have you? And I'm like, I didn't say a word. I didn't say yes, didn't say no. Probably had a look on my face that Lou was like, <laughs> I can't believe Lou just didn't say, hey, get the fuck out. You you know, you've never done anything. And then we, me and Paul started coming to Westside uh, consistently at that time. And Paul was only doing bench pressing, which – I was okay with doing that, but then, you know, I came in on Fridays and would do like accessories for bench press, and then I'd run them. I would always like I was I didn't squat or deadlift. I was I was just strictly um, I would run the monolift for the guys. But then I was in the morning times when I'd do that. But at nighttime, if I was there, fucking Gritter would come on. And the first time on a Friday I was here at night, Gritter goes, "Grab your briefs," and I'm like. What are those? <laughs> He's like, what? And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck briefs are. So he says, you, uh, this is what they are. He gave me a pair of the Karen's briefs that were denims. And he said, go put these on. I went in the bathroom. I put them on backwards first. <laughs> Had to take them off again, put them back on, went out there and squatted. And I actually held my own pretty good with the guy. So, I mean, I guess it worked out. Is that the first time you squatted? Yeah, it's the first time I ever really squatted in my life. Like, I mean, I squatted in high school for sports and stuff like that. And, I mean, I was always pretty strong. Yeah. I just never really dedicated myself to it. And then when I was doing what I was doing, I was bench pressing. So, I mean, here's what's crazy. It's like before I started with Paul Keys and him at Power Shack, I was training – Years prior, and I'm, I would say 94, 95. I don't know what senior national it was. It was the year that Jerry got kicked out of Westside. So me and Jerry had been friends for a long time. It was the year Jerry got kicked out of Westside. So we went, and his it was Tommy Williams, Tommy Fannin. He lived in Atlanta, and we went down there because Louie kicked him out. It's the first time I ever – this is how I – this and Louie don't remember this, and I asked him about it, but he doesn't remember 
It was at the Senior Nationals in 94, 95. We go down there. Jerry fucking is like mad at Westside. So the whole time we're training in Atlanta with Tommy Fannin going to the, this gym. He's like, fuck Westside, fuck Louie, fuck everything. And I'm like, I'm just there to help him get strong. And then Arnold Coleman comes down. He's handling Jerry at the meet. And we go to the meet. I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever. So we're sitting there. I fucking, we get in. I'm, I'm helping Jerry. Arnold's handling it, man, wrapping his knees and stuff. So I'm setting, I go and sit down in the crowd. And I'm sitting in the front row. I sat down, and two seats down is Louis Simmons. The, you know, everybody knows who fucking Louis is. And I'm like, he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm doing all right. How are you? You know, whatever. Jerry comes up to squat. Jerry starts squatting, hits his squat, does gets white lights, and Jerry turns his head, sees the white lights, and it's on. Fuck you, old man. I ain't a what. And you can't hear it. Like, Jerry got so emotional. And he's screaming at Louie. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Here we go. This shit's... And I'm like, this is dead serious. I'm thinking, this dude comes down here with the biggest motherfuckers I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, fuck it. I put my hand in my pocket and grab my knife. And I'm like, I'll have to stab one of them if I'm going to survive this. And Louie did... Louie is fucking cool as shit. And Louie's just like... Yep, 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 yep. Just <laughs> shaking his head at Jerry. He's By the fucking end of that meet, Jerry was at, uh, uh, Louie was offering Jerry money. $1,000 if he beat if he beat Warman, to, out totaled him. And I'll never be, remember that. Scott Warman, at the end of that meet, Jerry was deadlifted. And, and Jerry should have fucking beat him. Jerry was stronger than him. He was, he really was. But Warman knew that Jerry, he, he kind of got in Jerry's head because before Jerry was pulling his last deadlift. He's like, he's a choker. He ain't got this. He ain't going to make yeah. it. And Jerry missed it. But, I mean, dude, Jerry was, I mean, was Jerry 23 years old, 25? I don't know. He was young. I mean, I can't even remember. But, you know, that was the first time. That's the first time I've ever been around West Side or anything. I never put bench shirts on when I trained with him and Arnold or anything. And then fast forward to when I did actually come to West Side. And I was praying that. Louis didn't know the fuck I was. How did you get by without having a 500-pound bench? So I was, I mean, I was a pretty strong raw bencher. And, I mean, um, my lockouts were always pretty good. I've never been beat at a lockout competition, Mm -hmm. close grip. So, I mean, so I was always strong. You know, I could fucking, so, I I mean, I don't know. So here's what happened, too. This is the craziness. And if George... Halbert ever comes on here, he'll fucking tell you the story. So we're in the gym on a fucking Wednesday, and I'm in there, and I'm doing heavy pin presses. And I'm like, I worked up to like 690. He was like, get done. He's like, hey, man, you know, you're going to need to do a meet soon. I was like, oh, okay. This is how long ago this is. That Thursday, I'm like, that Wednesday, I'm like, shit, I got to find a meet. So I go, and I'm like, searching i'm not an internet person and i call a couple people and they're like yeah the american online meets this saturday i'm like fucking sweet i'm gonna do it so um i was like i'm gonna go do this meet i and i go and weigh in on friday like 175 pounds i go and weigh in and i'm like to do the meet and that night i'm having a party at my house for halloween (laughs) 
So George comes and Clay Brandenburger came. Uh, Clay Brandenburg came with George and Paul Keys. You know, was he was my friend too. So we were. They all came to the meet, and uh, they were like, uh, George. George comes up at my house. I had this big patio off the back of my house, and George comes up, and he come, comes out with a beer, and he's like, uh, he's like, what's up? I was like, what's up, man? I was like, signed up for a meet tomorrow. He was like. <laughs> You did what? <laughs> and he says, how are you going to make it there? And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to drink or do anything. He's like, you're having a party and you're not going to do anything. And, you know, George, he's so literal. He's like, I don't know how this is going to work. I didn't do anything. I went to bed at like 12, 30, 1 o'clock that night. Next morning, everybody's at my house, passed out on the floors and shit. And I'll get up at like 6 o'clock and I'm downstairs. I'm like, hey, we going to the meet? We go to the fucking meet. This is my, this is what I learned about powerlifting. We go to the America Online meet, and I'm with George Halbert, which at the time, I mean, he's still one of the greatest bench pressers mm-hmm. ever lived, but at then he was, at the top. you know, he was at the top. Clay Brandenburg, who's at the top. Paul Keyes, who's really strong. So I'm in the warm-up room, and I go in there, and there's all these big-ass dudes, and they're like, <laughs> fucking running around, and like, and I'm like, man... I think I picked the wrong fucking sport. Like, what am I doing here? He's, I'm about to get crushed. So we're back there, and I'm warming up. Well, Paul George is standing like, you know, 20 feet away. Well, Paul's loading my plates, and George will tell the story because he's like, he's like, I was wondering what was going through those guys' heads. He goes, because when I look at Paul, I look at him as a guy because he had massive hands. I mean, dude, he could fucking the dude could kill you if he wanted to with one hand. And we're back there, and Paul's loading plates on my bench to warm up. These guys are coming and taking the plates <laughs> off while Paul's standing there. And Paul just goes like this. He's like looking around. He's looking at me, and I'm like, what the fuck do you want me to say? I don't even think I'm supposed to be here. So we go out. I warm up. We go out. And I can't remember what I opened. I, mean, I think I opened 450 at that meet. I opened 450. I went four 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 ninety, I think, and I missed it. And George was like, "Well, we'll just take it again." And Clay Brandenburg goes, "No, we came here for fucking five hundred. And I could tell you, I know my my first bench I ever did was legit because Mariah Liggett judged it, and I know it was good because she don't pass anything <laughs> unless it's legit. And I fucking bench five hundred. Well, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, and I'm not paying attention to anything. I had the second highest bench of the whole fucking meet. So the guy benched five ten or five twenty after me, and he uh, he actually uh, they gave him best lifter. And George, you know, George, he's a real mathematician. He's like, that's bullshit. Your coefficient's way better. Than him. <laughs> You're 175 pounds. You bench 500. He benched 525 or 530 or something. And the guy was way bigger Dang. than me. And I benched 500 and. And then after that, I was like, okay, I'm not going to kick <laughs> I'm allowed out of the in Westside now. Yeah, I'm allowed at Westside. <laughs> and that's basically how it worked. I mean, and that was your start into the gym. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't, I wasn't, I, I didn't squat or deadlift or do anything. I didn't start squatting or deadlifting until I had my, actually, my neck fusion in 2006. And oh, yeah. that was the first time I ever saw her lift. Then onto you, Laura, how did you? Come into the West Side Equation. Where? Uh, well, back in 2004, when I was bodybuilding, 
I had heard of Louis Simmons and I, at the time I was, had no interest in powerlifting, competing in powerlifting, but I wanted to get stronger so that I could build more muscle mm -hmm. for, for bodybuilding. So, uh, we bought all the VHS tapes, watch those and was, were really confused. So, um, we went, we heard about a, a seminar Louis was going to do a bench press seminar at a USAPL meet, which is hilarious to me now looking yeah. back. Um, so he did a bench press seminar after the meet. So we went up there, listened to him, talked to him. And I remember Amy was there and just being like, you know, I, you know, I was learning about powerlifting and seeing Amy in the videos and stuff. And I was just like starstruck. I was like, mm -hmm. this chick can squat like 530. She's so tiny. Um, so I remember meeting Louie and talking to him there, but I mean, it wasn't anything like, like he was going to like remember me or anything. Um, cause I was just a bodybuilder mm -hmm. and, uh, then I did my last bodybuilding show and, but prior to the bodybuilding show, I went, I had started doing a little bit of the push pull meets up in, um, Toledo. They had like non-sanctioned push pull meets. So I just did those for fun and, and still not intending on switching to powerlifting. But, uh, the third one I did was down in, uh, Cincinnati, well, Middletown at power station gym. They had one there. And, um, I just remember Mike Ferguson and Marsha Ferguson being like, I mean, you could be really good at this if you if you wanted to switch to powerlifting. And I was just like, oh, I mean, at that time I was like interested, but I wasn't, you know, going to fully switch. But I did pick out a, a powerlifting competition uh, that summer. And, you know, at the time everybody lifted equipped, you know, so I was just like immediately went into gear. So, you know, immediately started buying uh, briefs and I bought a Rage X bench shirt, um, just started buying everything and started, it just went straight into that. I mean, luckily I had a, a solid base from mm -hmm. bodybuilding. Uh, so it wasn't a big deal. So I, I got into the gear, started learning that, you know, and, um, went and did my first meet in the summer of 2005. And, you know, at this point we're, you know, watching Louis videos, reading the books and stuff like that, and trying to, somewhat do the conjugate system, you know, I mean, now looking back, it's like, we had no idea what we were doing, but, you know, you know, still trying to incorporate some mm -hmm. principles. And, uh, at the time when I did those non-sanctioned meets up in Toledo, I met Jason Fry. So he was, of course, like he won everything at those meets up there. It was mm -hmm. just like, he was like a star of Northwest, yeah, Northwest Ohio. Um, so I started, you know, kind of befriended him. And so we started training together. I would uh, come down to Finley where he was living uh, and train with him. And so he was just like, okay. Like once he felt like I had a good grasp on things, he brought me up to Westside and to train sometimes. And then I did the, I you know, long story short, made it into the, well, forced my way into the WPO semifinals um, a few months after my first meet and did that. And that's when I like really met Louie and like really like Louie took notice because mm -hmm. I broke a world record there. And um, so of course, you know, Louie and I have a conversation and I talked to him about how I'm, you know, going to keep coming up to Westside with uh, Jason to train sometimes. And I just remember it was like really shortly after that, that one of the training sessions, I remember being outside with Louie and he uh, he's, I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but he was like, basically invited me to, you know, train there or be actually like part of the West side team or whatever. And I was really nervous because, you know, loyalty is a big thing to me. And I had been training at this gym in Detroit and, uh, they had taken me under their wing. And these, these guys that were like semi-retired powerlifters that were like previous 
national champions and whatnot had, you know, done so much for me that I was mm -hmm. like, let me just have a conversation with them uh, before I like commit to anything. And I remember talking to them and they were like, are you crazy? Like, you know, why wouldn't, you know, you need to be there. Like, yeah. you know, we've taken you this far, you know, you've got to take that opportunity. And, um, you know, so I started coming down and uh, just, you know, on the weekends, cause I was living in Toledo and I had a, a job like during the week. So I couldn't like, you know, fully move here. So I come on the weekends and stay at, at this guy's house. I remember, I don't even remember how like that even happened that you were like, Oh, you can just stay at my house. And I mean, that, that was insane as it was, but, uh, <laughs> that was crazy. Um, uh, but I would stay with him and train at Westside on the weekends. That was, so that would be like 2006 started training here you guys been friends time. ever since yeah. yeah yeah so yeah so i met laura so the first time i ever saw her lived was at that the wpl semis. meet it was two months after my neck fusion because i was there in a neck brace oh my gosh and i remember when she came out and me and george was like um we were like what's this gonna be like who's this chick you think she can open <laughs> well I, well i mean world record i mean it wasn't even that i mean i mean like honestly i mean laura's a very beautiful woman and then you see her in powerlifting and you're like what is this and and then you she goes out there and it's like it's all show and all motherfucking go and you're like what the fuck did we just watch like it was <laughs> like i i that was one of the most amazing things for me because you know people have an argument about well this person was the greatest woman powerlifter and they this one you know and they do this and that well my argument is she's the greatest woman powerlifter that's ever lived. I mean, and as a person, she's a great person. So we saw, we met her at that meet. We kind of like, you know, like, damn, that's amazing. But then when her and I really started talking was, it was, I don't know how many months later, it was at the meet in Akron or? Probably up in um, Fremont. It was up in Fremont. You had started coming to Westside. Yeah. And you were like kind of talking to me and I started, so after I had my neck fusion, they told me I never squatter, uh, deadlift. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's all you got to tell me. So I'm <laughs> fuck you. So 10 months after my neck fusion, I totaled 1800 at 179 mm -hmm. and, uh, she was at that meet and I still have the video at my house and she's like the greatest person in the world. Cause she's like, I'm asking her questions. She's helping me and I'm, she's telling me things and this and that. And like. My last deadlift of that meet, there was like a big screen behind us, and you see Laura, and she's off to the right, and I pull my last deadlift, and fucking Laura is like, <laughs> like so happy for me, you know, and like and like her and I just, you know, we became mm -hmm. really good friends, you know, you know, I mean, she's a nice person, she's a good person, I. And I know what the struggle is to find a place. I, I think she they were talking about staying at a hotel maybe or something oh, yeah, one time. Yeah. And I was like, man, you, you stay at a hotel, you stay at my house. Now, granted. <laughs> the party house. <laughs> it's a party house. And I will say she would go to bed early and we would go out. <laughs> two strip clubs, whatever, come home at 2.30 uh -huh. and stay up till 6.30 in the morning. And she, 7 in the morning, she'd get out of bed and come down and look around and we're all down there still partying. And she's like, what in the hell? We're like, you ready to go to the gym? <laughs> and we'd come to the gym and train. That was crazy. Yeah. And she crazy. was like, are you guys really going to go lift weights? And I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> How much of that is true that you party, like not just for, for years, 
Like that was a party house for a long time. And you as long in. as I remember. <laughs> I don't know how long it was before that, but as long as I remember, I can remember being there. It was. They had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I mean. I- yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can tell you, like, you know, there's been some pretty, yeah, I mean, there's been some pretty crazy stories, you know, I mean, and I, I like, I tell everybody this too, you know, it's like, uh, you know, up until my divorce and everything I had, I was yeah. pretty, I stayed, you know, I tried to stay straight and, you know, being married and my kid, it kept me, you know, straight, but I had a divorce, kind of fucking wrecked me and I just didn't throw any caution to the wind after that point and I just didn't give a fuck anymore and then I got you know it's like really weird because I did party a lot but after that yeah I turned it up I mean I mean dude like but I can say this Westside saved my life because it would keep me I would go on two or three day benders and I would fucking be like and then I'd be like partying and be up for two or three days and I'd be like okay wait a minute I got to go fucking train, train tomorrow. So then I just get my shit together and go train. Or I'd be out somewhere. Like there's a video of me, Greg Panora, and um, Luke Edwards. And that it was right before Halloween. It was Halloween's my, like, my favorite holiday. <laughs> so I went to this party the night before. It was a Thursday night at Trauma downtown and i'd been up all night long i was up all night long partying down there until like they closed at 5 a.m and uh i was down there partying all night long i came home at 5 a.m and was like came home couldn't go to sleep i'm like fuck it i'm going to the gym got got, got grabbed my bag went to west side and then fucking came and i think i squatted like seven something that day like with my straps down like here I am going to bed early, making sure I eat and <laughs> hydrate. And they're yeah, right. but I probably could have been a way better powerlifter yeah. than what I was too. Like I probably could have done a lot more um, amazing things in it, but I just didn't. I mean, I just didn't. I mean, I. I but I also didn't give a fuck about anything except Westside Barbell. I mean, that was it. I mean. I can tell people this, and this is probably part of the reason I got a divorce because me and my ex-wife got in an argument one time, and I told you this the other day. She was, like, saying something to me about lifting and doing this and getting this and doing that, and I said, you must have my fucking priorities all fucked up of how you think they work in my head. So just so you know something, number one, powerlifting. Number two, you. Number three, kids. And number four, the dog. And somewhere in there is my job. She was like, looked at me like, you crazy mother. She just turned around and walked away from me. But that's how I really felt. Like, when I went to the senior nationals in Vegas with her, her and I were walking down the strip. And it was me, her, and Shane, and I forget somebody else was there. And I remember walking, and we was right outside the hotel. And all I remember was thinking, man, if I could do this the rest of my life, this weightlifting, it fucking be the greatest thing in the world for me. That's how, I mean, I loved it that much. Mm-hmm. What made it so good? What made it so... Because this place is so unique in that no one forces you to stay here. No one forces you to be that loyal. But everyone was. And people had a hard time ever stepping away from it. What was that? What was that secret to hear? Do you want to answer that? I mean, I'll answer it after you, but I want to hear what you have to say. because I mean... 
I did step I like I stepped away from competing, but kept still wanted to be a part of it as far as like coaching and mm-hmm. like, you know, because Louie had taught me so much about training and I just, I wanted, you know, I believed in it so much like that, that for me was the loyalty is that I like, I believe in everything, mm-hmm. you know, like everything that got me to where I was, was from here. So it was just like, I, I don't want to be that person that wrecks my body for the rest of my mm-hmm. life, but I want to be involved and pay it forward and pass it along. And, and it was, I didn't make that conscious choice. I literally was, um, you know, just started, just people started gravitating to train into, into my group. Uh, and then I just started finding my, finding myself more invested in what they were doing and like teaching them everything that I had been taught. Um, and next thing you know, I was just like, this is, this is giving me more satisfaction Mm -hmm. than actually competing. And I felt like I had, I mean, there's always more that you could do. You know, I could always say like, I wish I would have benched 600 or I wish I would have squatted 800 or whatever. Um, but I still was really satisfied with what what I had Mm -hmm. accomplished and, um, just felt like I, like owed it to Lou to, to kind of keep that going, you know, especially because I, you know, truly and wholeheartedly believed in, in it, you know? So for me, it was just like, this is something that, this is the first thing that, cause I, um, you know, growing up, I did sports, I did gymnastics, you know, all growing up, but a lot of things that I, that I would do, I would do for a couple of years and move on. Like, it wasn't like I was a quitter. I just was like this, you know, I'm just searching for this <laughs> thing that really clicks with me. And this was like the first thing that really clicked with me that really made me feel like this is what I was literally born to do. Mm-hmm. So it, there was just no question for me to like move on to something else or pick something else. It was like, this is literally what I found that, um, that I was, have been looking for that I was just really made to do. What was that transition like? Because <clears throat> you, and I can't think of many others that are anyone that has come through here that's achieved what you've achieved, but then has such a song, strong group of ladies go around and to train people to try break some of your own records. Was that hard to compete with in your head or was it no problem? It was no problem to me. Like I was like, well, obviously like you want to break records and hold them forever, but that's, you know, they're borrowed, not owned, mm-hmm. but it's like, what better way, you know, to pay homage to Westside or to like, you know, if someone's going to break my records, I would so much rather be someone who's come up through the system and that I've, that I've helped do that. Like that's, that's way more satisfying yeah. than watch someone, watching someone halfway across the world break, break my records. It's like, it's just like further proving, um, the system. And I just remember Louis, like even in his last interview saying like, you know, um, I just want people to prove my system. Mm-hmm. Like that's all, that's, that's how you can pay me back is just prove my system. And so I'm like, all right, okay, Louie, like, let's like keep proving that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Tony. <laughs> but best look my whole me. life. I mean, I grew up, you know, everybody, I mean, a lot of people know, but you know, my past and shit, I grew up in the hood. I was in gangs most of my life. There was a, you know, there was a lot of things that, and, um, you know, not that I, I mean, I didn't have like this, I, mean, I didn't have a horrible, horrible family life. I mean, both my parents fucking worked hard. They tried to, you know, do the best they can, you know, and, you know, but they were always working and it just left me to the streets and shit. And, you know, when I found Westside, it was kind of like, um, it gave me a family. You know, I meet people like this. I mean, this, you know, and like, and then all the people I trained with and shit, they felt like a brother to me. I mean, you know, uh, Westside became like my family. Like it was the most important thing to me is this gym, what Louie had built. And I, and I always like, see, I'm a, my mind was like, if I put my hand in that chalk box down there, 
I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, these fucking world champions have put their hands in here and chalked their hands in here and this board and all this stuff means so much to me. And, you know, Westside meant, I mean, a lot to me. I mean, you know, I love this gym more than anything in the world. Like it was like, it was, you know, I used to get up every morning and, you know, people would think, oh, he's doing, I'd be driving to the gym and be, <laughs> this is what I eat every day. I'd fucking have a Red Bull and a Snickers every day on the way to the gym. <laughs> and by the time I got here, I'd be so nervous I'd had to take a shit. And I would already <laughs> solidified my place in the gym. But I'm like, I got it, you know, because I'm nervous because I don't want to let Louie down or let the gym down or let anybody down here. I mean, um, you know, I'll tell you, there's like the story, yeah. but Tony Balagoni, Tony, I, I love him. He's a great guy. He's a great person. But you got to understand, we're also in a fucking gym full of pit bull people who have pit bull mentalities. And I almost quit Westside because we were, we were squatting one morning. And there was a bunch of us in there, and I was a lightweight guy, you know. But Tony made a comment. He said, well, won't we let the little weak guys go first? And, man, it infuriated me so bad. Like, it took everything I had, I mean, to fucking not. Dude, I almost took a 25-pound plate and beat him in the head, or I was going out to my truck. I was going to get my gun and shoot his kneecaps and be like, squat what, motherfucker? Like, I, I was so mad. I grabbed my bag and I fucking left. I was so mad. I left the gym. I came in that night and I pulled Lou in the front office. I said, Lou, I said, I want you to know this. And that's when Tony was like putting up huge numbers for the gym, chances to break records and do all these things and doing really well for the gym. Well, that's how important Westside is to, was to me because Westside was so important to me that I would never fucking hurt the gym. Because if I did something to Tony and I did that out of anger or whatever, that would that would hurt Westside. And I told Louie that. And I said, I'll never hurt the gym and I'll never disrespect it. I said, but I'm going to leave. And Louie was like, no, you're fucking not. <laughs> and I go, yeah, I am. And, you know, Louie's like, bullshit. He's like, I'm going to talk to Tony. Tony didn't mean that. And I, I came out and he pulled Tony over and Tony came over to talk to me and he said, man, I didn't mean what I said. You know, that was just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, he was like, uh, you know, I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And, and we were cool, but I was so angry because, you know, that's the person I am, yeah. you know, don't fucking tell me I'm weak. Cause I know I'm, it, it just, I felt it was kind of disrespectful because a lot of those guys change plates and do whatever. But, and like I said, I love Tony. He's a great guy. But in that moment, I was ready to do something really bad to somebody and it would have hurt Westside. And I was willing to quit if I was going to hurt Westside Barbell. And Louis, man, I remember this dude, like I was sitting in the chair and after I had to talk with Tony and I think it touched Louis in a way like this motherfucker is bought in. He put his hand on my shoulders, dude. And I looked up at Lou and he had tears in his eyes and he's like, you're never fucking leaving this gym. And I was like, holy shit, man. Like, that, like, was big, the biggest thing in the world to me. And I knew at that point I was never leaving the gym. I mean, there was probably a year or two prior to that, Louie had said something. We were over deadlifting and by the deadlift racks, and Louie said something like, yeah, well, you keep that shit up, you'll get kicked out of here. And I said, yeah, motherfucker, and I'll be back fucking on the next fucking workout day. I guess we're going to see who's going to kick me the fuck out of here that day. And Louie was like, oh, I fucking love this shit. <laughs> you know, that, but that's what Louie wanted. Yeah. Well, I think 
made him so special. There's multiple things. But you couldn't get two more different personalities here. You guys are joined by Westside, best of friends, and Louis knew how to treat everyone. Right. Why? Like the Louis knew how to be the person you needed at that given time, right. which is a very rare talent. Yeah. Because like going from you is like going from here. And then I can't imagine, Laura, you're maybe just a little bit. There was little. hugs. There was like words yeah. of encouragement. Like, yeah. you know, they're, they're, he was never talking shit to me, yeah. you know. Like, and that's where people are going like, Louis? Yeah. And then uh, I was fortunate from behind the scenes to see, I'm like, God, Louis is Louis to everyone. It's just mm -hmm. a different Lou. And people, your Lou couldn't fathom that Lou. No. But he understood people. Oh, and yeah. He understand everything was for Westside Barbell. You could call him whatever you want, but don't call anything to the club mm -hmm. and uh it's amazing that that was the unifying thing between everyone from prisoners to prison guards to phds to high school dropouts you had everyone here well i mean yeah i mean louis fucking had to tell george at one time he's like hey when you guys get out of this meet can you tell tony those guys are our <laughs> friends because i told him i said let him say something we'll see what the fuck happens i'm willing to die for it you know and i'm not a big guy i mean by no means but I've got no, I've got no problem using weapons or whatever's fucking at my accent. I mean, that's just how I felt about Westside because I just always thought, man, like, I, I was, I'm not an asshole. I mean, I guess some people say I'm an asshole, but I was. She'll tell you, I would help anybody out. Mm -hmm. Like anybody ever came to Westside. I mean, the first day Jason Coker ever came to Westside, I walked up to him, was like, man, I'm glad you're here, and gave the dude a hug. You know. I've always been that way, but I've also, too, like, respected other gyms and what they've done. But when they talk shit, it's kind of like, I'm the, I'm a street person. Like, I I still have friends to this day. Like, six months ago, I was at a, a, a fried chicken and fish place out on fucking, on the, on, on, off of Ohio Avenue. And we're sitting there, and I'm, t I'm with, like, three of my dudes. And this guy comes up and sits down at the table and starts talking to one of my dudes and just says the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And it's not even a moment. He smacks him in his mouth in the middle of this restaurant. Those are the people I grew up with because they're going to react immediately when you do something. It's not like, no, nah, we're not going to yeah. wait and let this, sit, you know, Faster. wall around in my head. I'm just going to handle this right now. You're not going to talk to me that way. And it, it's just how I was. So I, I guess I don't know. Um, but like. But that was okay. Like back in the day, but like, I think. Toward you know more recently, it probably I think it bummed Louie out that like you couldn't be who you wanted to be in the gym and like you know kind of stir some people up and get people like fired up because people you know couldn't really handle it as well. You know, it was a different. A different yeah, guys generation. now, and, and, yeah. and I'm not saying nothing. It's just a generation. Mm -hmm. You know, the internet has done a lot of things and changed a lot of people, and people think that you know I'm going to talk to you this way or that way. I mean, dude, think about this. I trained I train with Chuck for, what, three, four years on Saturdays. And all Louie ever did was, and he knew it would get back to me. Yeah, fucking Tony and Chuck, fucking da-da-da-da. And then I come in, I, and I never missed a Friday. You know, back then I would come in on Fridays. Now, I did miss a lot of workouts. <laughs> I can't say I didn't miss a Friday because I, I do fucking. Months I used to and miss, months and then come back. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a couple months and then I come back and stay consistent for a few months. But he would always say shit to me like, you know, Chuck training tomorrow? Yeah. What time? One o'clock? I'll be there. Okay. 
And he would come in, wouldn't say words, just, you know, Louis walk in the gym, walk around, see what we're doing, this and that. And then Monday morning, I'd be in the gym and somebody come up to me. Yeah, Lou said the shit you and Chuck are doing on Saturday ain't going to fucking work. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, I maybe not, whatever. And I... And, and that's what's funny is you would think that Lou would have wanted to kick me out or do something bad to me. But I think Lou saw I'm loyal to my training partners. I'm just loyal to them. Like, I'm loyal to them because I want them to do well, you know. And that's the thing people can say. I might have fucked myself on my workouts, but when somebody else needed me, I made sure I showed up. Mm-hmm. And I can say that with with dead pride of knowing I did that. You know, if somebody, if I knew somebody was going to need me to be there, to be there, I would be there. But, you know, it's like. this. I mean, that's, that's how I started was on Sunday mornings. That's, you know, when Jason Fry brought me, it was because like, he trained on Sunday mornings with George and Tony. So like, that was like my first introduction to here was on, on Sunday morning bench days. And like, I, I mean, my bench went from I think I did 319 at the WPO semis and like how quickly I got like by that was um, in September. And then I did the Arnold in March and like literally just barely missed 429 at that meet, you know, about like over a hundred pounds on my bench, you know, just training with these guys. Cause they like, I mean, they taught me how to be strong. Like if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They brought my bench up, but they literally taught me how to, how to be strong. If that makes, you know, in training and, and how she to really push it. fucking strong, was it the, Not on bench. <laughs> was like, it the intensity they brought or the accessories or everything? All of it, yeah. The intensity and, like, <laughs> how, like I remember the first time I, like, he, George had me try 405 in a shirt. I, I probably tried it 10 times that day. Like, because he knew I could do it, you know. Yeah. But, like, you know, it was, like, just trying to bring it out of me. And I finally got it that yeah. day, but I probably tried it 10 times, I think. I mean, I was, like, prying my hands off of the bar. <laughs> like, it was just, it was crazy. But that, I mean, I, I learned a lot just overall about training, training with those guys. That you know that, she that intensity. Shit talk too. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd be like, oh God, don't be so mean to Mike Wolf. Like, be nice. <laughs> but I, he Rest loved it, and that was the greatest thing yeah. for him. You know, I was like, yeah. I, Laura would bring people to the gym, and they'd be like, "There's a guy." <laughs> yeah, just give you a warning. <laughs> <laughs> don't say nothing back to him, or it's on. <laughs> but I never said nothing derogatory or vulgar, like hurt some. But, no, they you, all ended I, up loving you. I, but I, because I would say, <laughs> I would ask people, like I used to ask people, you know, what bothers you? What in your life that you feel like that you should have, you know, like if you were bullied or you were this or you were that, which is like Jerry O. I mean, a lot of people don't know this. Jerry O was bullied a lot when he was younger, like uh, by a lot of guys. And, you know, that was part of my way when I used to talk to him, like these motherfuckers or you know, them fucking bullies that used to bully you and shit, dude, you got to do this. And it was like getting their head of, you know, this is what I was going to talk to you about. You know, just like George. I mean, George, I would be on the other side of the gym. There was, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, people that trained with us know it. George was, George picked me up every Sunday at 5.30 a.m. Dude, 25 years, 20, I don't know, 20 some years we've been doing this. A long fucking time. And every every Saturday, he'd send me a text, your house. <laughs> and I'd say, yeah. And then sometimes I'd have to text him at four in the morning and say, this is the address I'm at. <laughs> pick me up. <laughs> but it would, he would pick me up. We'd drive to the gym. We'd work out and go to Waffle House. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, man, it's like, you know, but you're, I'd be on the other side of the gym. I mean, there was over a year or so that I didn't even work out. And I'd just be in there dicking around, go sit on the other side or whatever, and George would be like, come here. I need you to talk shit to them. Please get these guys motivated. They're, they're not being intense. But we had intensity, and that's the problem is, like, I think some of that intensity got lost. Like I was saying with the generation of how, you know, it's like, you know, the way you're, you know, you're supposed to talk to somebody or what you're supposed to take. And, I mean, Louie, Louie never gave me any praise. I mean, dude, ever. Well, not to your face. No, no, or not to my face. Yeah, yeah, that's man. the thing. It's like, I did that, the, the Lex and me. I remember I did that. See, Louie never said nothing to me about, and this is what I never understood. He would tell everybody else, don't you fucking go lift in that federation. Fuck them guys. They're going to treat you wrong. And he didn't like, Le- you know, the guys at Lexington at one point. And then he, he didn't like the uh, UPA stuff. So then we, I lifted in the Lexington meet at 198. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to cut to 181 and go do Kenny Patterson's meet a week later. And Louie was like, is he fucking stupid? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with him? He's not going to fucking da-da-da-da. And I out-totaled my fucking 198. A week later, I cut to 181 and out-totaled it. And Louie came to the meet, and he sat down. And I'm pretty sure he was Bob Coe and Jimmy Ritchie. And he sat down, said to my wife. And my wife said something, and he said, yeah. She said hi. He said hi to her. And he said, oh, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how this day, day goes. And, you know, basically, like, he was pissed at me, and she was like, I think Lou's mad at you. I was like, yeah, he is. He's real mad because he, he said it was the dumbest thing you could ever do. I pulled my final deadlift, and I set it down, and Louie got up and walked out of the room. Didn't see him again. He left. He's <laughs> like, motherfucker. And never said a word to me about it. We never even spoke of it. It was never even talked about or nothing. He never said a word to me about it or nothing. But I'm sure in, like, interviews and stuff like that, he's like, I have a guy who did yeah. this. And he's then the only person who's week. done that. No yeah. one else has done that, right? Right. I doubt it. I don't know. I don't, who. Maybe somebody yeah. else well, has. I mean, definitely I mean, not that time frame. Nobody wants to do back-to-back meets one week apart <laughs> in Multifly. No. no. <laughs> But, like, the great thing with Lou is he'd test you in every way, shape, or form. Like, he would give you a hundred reasons not to be loyal to see if you could be loyal. Yeah, yeah. And then he would uh, say, like, it was like, um, I'm not sure what it's called here, but if you whisper. And by the time it gets to you, it's something completely different. You're right. Like, yeah, he said, yeah, what? yeah. And he just loved that. Right. He loved to see what would happen once he said it to somebody because he knew there's always that one person in the gym who couldn't keep their mouth shut. Oh, yeah. So he'd say it. But everyone had a role. You didn't have to be the strongest in the gym, but everyone had a purpose for being there. And someone was the person who was had the spotlight on them. Someone was the strongest. Someone was chasing after the strongest. Someone was the shit talker. You need people to handle. You need people to low plates. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. But everyone had their purpose. And uh, like with Tony, like you two are probably the two most talked about behind the scenes. Because I'm not sure if you know this, Laura, every squat or deadlift, we would get up we'd have pictures or videos of you. I picture everything for Louis, either a picture or a video, right? <laughs> Get up that picture of Laura. Like, okay. <laughs> you mean but you, you're the gold standard. So we compare form and behind the scenes, like, hey, bringing up coaches and you show us, um, show Laura's form. And then you see your form. You see where you're fucking up. You see where you're fucking <laughs> But that was, everything was behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony, like the Florida story. Every month I'd hear that. For 12 years, I've heard that fucking story. <laughs> but like, that's how much everyone had a, a part to play 
and you know that you are definitely Westside when Louis has you in his stories, or if you're part of the like the form. It's like everything we give is like, uh, like there's your form, there's everyone else's. How can we make them better? When we did the seated deadlifts, uh, Lou thought he read it in a book. He misread the fucking book and came up with it by himself. And he used your deadlift form to compare, like, okay, this is perfect form because this is how Laura pulls. And everyone has a role, but he would never go, well, I'm not sure about you, but I definitely know for you, he's not going to go, hey, Tony, thank you so much. Yeah. Like, that's just not, that's not <laughs> the way Louis is. But he, you wouldn't want that either, I'd imagine. Right. No, I didn't, I didn't. I mean, it worked out best for me, you know. It was like, I didn't, I don't want recognition for shit. It's like, a, there's a real good Tony Robbins saying, you know, praised in public for what you did in private and not Louie fucking bashed you in public for what you did in private, you know? And he would tell people in the gym, he'd be like, I, mean, I never forget, man. He had a bunch, there was a bunch of people that came in to work out and he's like, you all, you can do anything you want in here. Just don't follow that fucking guy. Don't do what he does and you'll, you'll be okay. Cause you're not going to be able to figure out what he does, you know? And I mean, remember the day I was in there and I had to pick my squat shoes up, my, uh, my, squat shoes up and you guys were doing the um the crossfit seminar, uh, seminar. Oh, yeah, yeah. and and i got my shoes and then everybody's in there doing taking a test and i look at the test and i'm like and i look at like five of the answers and I'm like, what the fuck I is don't know this what, it is. <laughs> what yeah. is what are they talking about and i went out to lou and i go lou i have to ask you something and i was like i don't want you you know i was like I forget, I maybe said something like, I don't fucking, you might think I'm a dummy. I was like, I couldn't pass that test. Does that mean I shouldn't be here? No, you know how to get strong. It's all fucking matters to me. And then, he, that was it. That was his answer to me. And I was like, okay. Because I couldn't tell you the cons you get. I'm not very good at that shit. I know how to train, but I think maybe from doing it so long and, you know, speak, whatever. But I, I followed the whole system. I just... If you asked me to write it out, <laughs> I would have strong problems with it. If there was either getting shot or having the answers, I'm probably going to get shot. <laughs> Is there any unique training moments you can think of? Or were you there during any implementation of new ways of training during your times here? I, remember, I mean, there, there's been so many changes, even like... Like when I couldn't come as often and I would come back and I'd be like, what the hell? Like everybody's doing five by five now. And I, I'd just be mind blown because at that time we were helping Louie teach seminars and stuff. And I mean, I like, I am just like a by the book person. Mm -hmm. I'm a routine person. So I'm like, okay, 12 doubles, 12 doubles, 10 doubles. And then I'm coming up and I'm like five by five. I'm just like, okay, Louie, we need to have a conversation. What's happening here? It was always changing. But like, I remember like the speed work changing some and, um, you know, obviously like new accessory movements and machines and things like that. But I'd, I'd say for the most part, like the system as a whole, like uh, the base of it has not changed. Like mm. it's definitely, that's what I love about it is that you've got this, like this basis of a system and that can, you can, you, th it's not like set in stone. You can, you can adjust it based on the, the person or, you know, what they're, you know, now, now, you know, and much to Louise's dismay, that raw lifting is a, a thing mm -hmm. now. So you have to like kind of tweak it a little bit, you know, for raw lifters. And, you know, so, you know, we've had to change it, you know, some things, but the principles that we, I would never, I will never change, you know. Yeah. yeah. So what you've been asking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, 
I, I mean, I saw a lot of shit. I mean, I, I, I mean, I the kettlebell thing. I that you're and, hanging kettlebells well, from yeah. a broomstick. I think, aren't you? So yeah, but here's the thing. Like, you I have, that started in 0506. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I started it because I remember came in and I was like, it's right after my neck surgery, and I'm like. Man, I'm not going to be able to train. The stagnant weight against me. Like you're not supposed to. Like when you have that surgery, you're not supposed to the stagnant. And then I, I mean, I took a month and I like was writing down shit and trying to figure out how to get stronger. And I always had this idea because I did. I've been a concrete guy my whole life. We did. We were doing concrete work at Ohio University, and we had to carry these fucking bu- five gallon buckets up these stairs, and we put them on these metal poles and step up this thing. And the whole fucking time, they're just like shaking Sweet. chaotically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here's what I did. I came in. I put a chain, and all I did was hung a chain and then hung the twenty five pound plate from it. And took it out. And when you take it out, it's was shaking. And I did that, and then, you know. Louie was like, all right, was that work? And I was like, yeah, it works. And then, like, you know, we did it for a few weeks, and it was funny because Louie didn't really get attached to it or see what it Mm -hmm. was until we were doing inclines with him. And George, from the time that I started him, he's like, this ain't going to fucking work. And I've got video from 05 and 06 when I first started this. And uh, he's like, he's like, uh, George is like, that don't fucking work. And I'm like, really? Well, come over here. And George takes out, and it's got, I've got twenty, a 25 and a 10, I think, on each side, hanging from a chain. George takes it out on an incline. <laughs> takes it out like this, and as soon as he takes it out, the fucking bar starts shaking, and he sets it right down in his lap. And the look on George's face was like, fuck. And I tell Tony I'm right. He's right. So, and then we start doing that, and then Louie was like, hey, well, how about if we hang bands from it? And, you know, then I explained to Louie what I thought the principle of it was, was I thought, well, because the bar is not directly attached to the weight, you know, and then Louie figured out that the lighter the bar was, and then we started using a broomstick, and then we started the, we started breaking the broomsticks, and then we got PVC and, and super glued inside. And, like, I mean, and Jimmy Seitzer, I mean, dude, he fucking changed the game. Yeah. He made a bar that could withstand the weights that people were, able to do with it and and that's what it is i mean i saw that um i, I don't know what else i i mean i, I was here for that i mean i we're here for the big foam blocks yes yeah, so I loved those things <laughs> what well, benching on them benching yeah. and squatting, squatting. Yes, yeah so i did i am very proud of myself because <laughs> we did fucking i kicked i beat you know, I, I beat everybody that day because it was a lockout exercise. Same here. I did like five five hundred and some pounds on the, that thing. I mean, I granted, like I've got shorter range of motion, but I was just <laughs> like, still, we, mean, we yeah. like, yeah, his lockout. Nobody ever could come close. Even the strong, like guys benching eight hundred, couldn't couldn't yeah, hang I've with him. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky that one. I wish I could fucking calculate <laughs> it to down here, to up there, and do all that stuff. I mean, I can't. I mean, yeah, that's I. Because I was phased in and phased out. It was, I think they uh, just got really nasty. People were laying on them doing leg curls and stuff, oh, and they dear. got really gross, so they just had to throw them away. And foam is so expensive. It was like, but I think too, I always heard too, like Louis ultimately, like he was worried people were going to like tear their pecs and stuff doing yeah. doing stuff. So they just had to go. 
Yeah, and Louis would see. Like, he'd be like, oh, that didn't work, so here we yeah. go, you know? It's like it's not, the risk isn't worth the reward. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're fucking... And that's the thing, too. I like to... A lot of people didn't like that coming to Westside. Like, I've seen guys come through Westside before, and they honestly could have been the strongest guys in the world to ever live. I mean, they, you know? But here's what they couldn't handle. First off, they couldn't handle intensity, shit-talking, and getting beat by somebody, you know? Um, you know, you come to Westside, dude, and it's fucking deep waters. I mean, no matter what you think or what you do, it's fucking deep waters. I mean, she had a fucking girl. A woman. <laughs> Whatever. The baddest that comes in there and does some crazy shit, and then you're like, go squat against her, and you're like, fucking for real? <laughs> She's within like 100 pounds of you, and you're like, Fuck. Damn it! Like I'm really not doing something right here because where they're come, where they came from, nobody's coming close to them. Mm-hmm. You Top know? dog, and you can kind of train. However, but right. I mean, I've watched a lot of guys come visit that want to like you know think, oh, I'm gonna train at Westside, and they can't make it through the dynamic lower through the squats. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that's usually what weeds people out is that the dynamic effort work. And that's why, like, I mean, me personally, like for, with coaching people, like I'll die on that hill when it comes, you know, when dynamic lower is the most important day. And then like not getting lazy about it and like training slow and, you know, cause you know, people are missing. That's a key that they're missing is conditioning. And that's one way, the big best way you can condition is, you know, with, with dynamic effort, lower work. But I've watched some big, strong guys just like, not even make it halfway through the yeah. squats and they're puking and, and whatever. And if they do come back and do move here, you know, some have stayed, but some just, just can't handle the, I think they assume like these guys are 300 plus pounds. Like surely they just like take their time lifting and, and whatnot. And they don't realize that they're in shape, they're conditioned yeah. and um, they just can't hang. You know, a lot of times like when I start like, you know, let's say I'm like coaching someone remotely or something, they just, that's the biggest thing that they just can't believe is the amount of volume in accessory work, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, dynamic effort work, but also like the accessory work. They're just like, I didn't realize there's so much work involved. I'm like, that's how, like when you're doing like the main lifts or, or whatever, that's just like a little part, you're like testing your lifts. You're not training. How are you going to get stronger if you're only squatting, bench pressing and deadlifting, you know, like so I've seen a lot of people kind of get weeded out with that. That's where the, uh, back to the five by fives, do you know the the origin of that? I mean, I, I've heard Louis talk about like how like it was, you know, the doubles, you know, it, it, you could get the same amount of work done quicker, you know, yeah. with a five by five. There was too many people on the monolith. Yeah, yeah. So it would come in, usually there was a pecking order. When I first got in here, Tony showed me the ropes, he did everyone else, and you're either loading or spotting. Sometimes the weaker went first and the stronger guys got the room. There it goes with that bullshit. <laughs> the weaker guys. <laughs> you weren't, I wasn't with you. I was I was mostly there loading plays or getting the fuck out of the way. But um, Lou was like, hey, time these guys. And like, there are five minutes between sets. And this was doing doubles. Yeah. He's like, no, there's like it's six. Unacceptable, yeah. yeah. there are six people to a monolith. He's like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And there's no intensity. Yeah. So Lou's like, screw this. You guys are doing five by fives. Mm-hmm. And then it just injected intensity straight into it because they had no choice. They're right. Like, what is going on but when i first came here when the doubles were done like you were fighting to get out of the way in time yeah and that got lost in the transition from one group to another group and uh because the doubles have produced all i mean right the biggest and the best yeah but the this new group they started getting well they weren't lazier they just they just were different there wasn't a leader yeah Yeah. there wasn't yeah i mean that's what you lost when aj lost when aj went that was a big 
he was a big voice for Lou because he would he would argue with Lou back and forth. But at the end of the day, AJ was like, okay, he's this is, always right. It's yeah, Lou. I'm going to translate yeah. this for you. Yeah. And yeah. Um, then you had the group with uh, Josh Conley and Shane. They're kind of the transition group. And then you had a group who had no one from the original crew. And you've seen it. And you could be both of seen it as a big, big difference. Um, and I don't think it's anything to do with them, no, per no, se. No. I think it's just like, you know, it's like they came in at a time and then there just wasn't enough people in the gym to lead them from the old yeah. school. Like when I came in, you got Gritter, you got Bob Coe, you know, Jimmy Ritchie was there. You know, there's, you know, there, you know Chuck. I mean, dude, think about it. I mean, I, I people are like, you trained with Chuck for like four years? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, how the fuck did you survive that? And I'm like. I don't know. I did. Yeah. You know, and I mean, people would be like, he's going to break you. And I'd be like, I'm good. And I made it through that. And Chuck, he told Brandon Lilly, and this made me feel good. He told Brandon Lilly one time, he, Brandon Lilly asked him, he said, fucking Tony Ramos is all balls. Because I just didn't care. I mean, fuck it, dude. Like, they'd do shit to me and say, well, try this. And they thought it would be funny because they're like, ah, well, you know, and it's not funny in a way, but just like, watch what's going to happen here. Yeah. And sometimes they'd do it and the shit wouldn't work. And they'd be like, fuck. You know, and then sometimes they'd do it and I'd get smashed, but I would still try it. I don't care. I mean, it's not going to. You were around too when Louis was still training. Yes. And like, that was a, a big thing. Because remember, if he broke a PR or had a good training day, if you had anything to tell him, that was the that's that the was, day. That, that was the day, <laughs> bad or good, like yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I tell him. when you come in the mornings, and this and this was back then, and a lot of people like these guys who ne they've never seen it back then when Louis was in it and enthralled in it and lifting and doing everything. He'd walk, you'd walk in, and you'd be like, "Hey, Lou," and he'd be like, "Hey," and you'd look at his fucking eyes, and they were black. Stay the fuck away from him. Don't go over there. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, this fucking, it's like some people are like, oh, it's a, such a pretty fucking uh, German shepherd. Let me go fucking jump the fence and pet him. <laughs> and I'm like, you can't see what's going on here. This dude wants to eat somebody right now. Stay the fuck away from me. And I've seen people get like, oh, shit. I mean, I was there the day, and uh, I don't forget who it was. It was one of the hockey coaches or somebody was telling Louie that it doesn't work for, you know, what well, our system doesn't work for people who don't take drugs and blah, 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 blah. And Louis yeah. snaps that dude up. And he fucking, I was like, okay, time to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I watched Louie, dude, I watched Louie at a fucking doing a gym meet when I first came here. And so <laughs> he's fucking getting ready to do a deadlift and he takes the, wire brush and he fuck starts hitting himself in the head and knocks his tooth out <laughs> and i was like whoa holy shit it was cool and then they after he and he went fucking makes the deadlift and then him and doris and uh somebody else was trying to help him look around on the floor to find his tooth <laughs> but but that's but yeah. louis lived it like yeah. louis didn't say hey go do this this and this and be this intense and work this hard and, and but I'm not going to do that, yeah. and that's the whole difference. Is is that like Louis said? Well, okay, well, yeah, I'll fucking try it with you, or I've done this, or and we all got to see that, so we knew what we had to give to him. But you know, that's the best way. To, you can't like Louis always says, "I'm not a coach." I, you know, like you lead by example, and so that's the only reason why I wish I was still competing. Is that like when I'm training 
when I'm competing and I'm training hard, like, like I, my training group did better because I just, I push myself and mm -hmm. like, I'm not thinking about like, oh, like what, making sure that everybody else is falling in line. They just did, yeah. you know? And so, you know, it's hard to do that from the outside. Like when you're just trying to tell people how to, how to do that, but when you're doing it yourself and showing them how to do it, it it's, it's a huge difference, you know? So, um, it's, it's hard to teach that to somebody like to love to train and to, to push themselves as hard as they possibly can on um, particularly like accessory work. I mean, yes, pushing yourself like quickly through dynamic effort work, but in like actually putting in the effort mm -hmm. into every single rep, but like, you know, pushing themselves on accessory work and not, you know, cause I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with accessory work because that's yeah. what, that's, that's what's going to make you stronger. And when people slack on it, it's just, you know, if you don't have that leader showing people how to do it or, you know, I'm just a self-motivated person. Like I, I wouldn't call myself like, just like, oh, I, I'm trying to be a leader. I just, I just am self-motivated. So I'm going to do this as hard as I can. And then, you know, people just started to gravitate towards that to try to, you know, and it just made everybody better. So you got to have that person in the group. She's that, probably one of them. And this is what's funny. It's like, you can watch videos of her and you're like, uh, she's not that intense. She's fucking intense. Like I've been at meets with her before and like she's talking to her and, and like getting in her head and I've seen the devil in her eyes a few times, like, holy shit, like, she's about to wreck it. And I, I've seen it. Like, girls giving me goosebumps. Cause I, and that's what's funny is, is, like, a lot of people don't see me as an intense person. I talk shit in the gym, go to meets, and I lift weights. Just because someone's not, I like, done, banging their yeah, head on the bar yeah, doesn't mean they're, that they're not. Yeah, they're, and focused. I walk away, and, like, she'll do the same thing. She's like, yeah, you know, yeah. but she didn't come running out there, you know. Yeah. Doesn't we'd be laughing. We'd be laughing in between like attempts, like yeah. But yeah. then when it's your name is called, it you know it's yeah, something it's changes. Game on. Yeah. And like I would see her, and I I went and trained with her. You know, I used to just go and train with her and squat all the time. Get with in her. trouble. <laughs> yeah, get in trouble. You know, I was like, where's he? like you said earlier? Where the fuck is Tony Ramos? <laughs> a good excuse. He's probably fucking on a bender somewhere. But I was actually mm -hmm. training. I wanted to drive up there because. Um, you guys got a lot of chains, right? Isn't that what was a big thing? Did you get out most uh, for Circle Max? Did you do a lot of chains? Oh, yeah. Like, I started finding that I could do the traditional Circle Max, um, you know, suit bottoms to a box or something with, like, you know, a lot, like, you know, 40, 45% band tension. And I could, like, do crazy, like, weights. And it just wasn't just basically I just I had good technique on a box squat so I could kind of like figure out how to be like good at the box squat and so it wasn't really carrying over it wasn't like showing what I was going to hit at a meet it wasn't literally like giving me a projection of what I would was going to do and so um you know I would start to do chains or like a free squat like I that's that's the one thing that like Louis knew that I was doing and I I know it bothered him that I would do some free squatting and training, but I'm like, that's how I am. I, how I operate is on technique. Like yeah. I've said it a million times, like I train really hard and yes, I was strong. Um, but if you took like me and like the next, let's say five people in my, in my weight class, like, I don't know that I was like just straight up stronger than those people, but I like perfected technique. And so that's how I felt was like, if I just box squat all the time, I'm, you know, how am I going to have this perfect technique that he was showing yep. to all of, you know, colleagues and stuff like that. It's like, um, you know, so I did work in more free squatting, um, to help, to help with that. And so I started doing that, like more overload free squatting for Circa Max yep. rather than, rather than, um, to a box. Cause I just had like, felt like I, 
could master the box squat, yeah, you know. I would go free squat with her. Yeah, that, that's why he was oh, sneaking I, I know, away. Tommy. I was like. <laughs> I know, because you would whisper in my, I have no idea why you would tell me these things. Because Louis would come up like, what's Tony doing? And I'm like. Best I'm like, excuse you could have had is he's on a bender. You're good, Lou. <laughs> I, I, I mean, just like the WPO meet. I, not the WPO meet, the meet in Cincinnati. Where, um, the Pro-Am, the Pro-Am. The Pro-Am, yeah. The day Fit Fabian was handling, remember? Yeah, remember? yeah. They're like Tony, you're what's your rack height? And as I'm like eleven in, and Mike Ferguson was like, "Are you drunk?" And I'm like, <laughs> "No." And <laughs> Fabian was like, "You've been drinking?" I was like, and I stayed up that night until like two thirty in the morning. Maybe and you had three. a good meet, didn't you? Like, yeah, yeah, I totaled twenty sixty at one eighty one. <laughs> yeah, and I should have squatted like way more because a few weeks earlier I squatted that eight sixty up mm-hmm. there easy, but I. uh yeah. Drank the night before. And I was like, this is, man, that was, that was the worst mistake in the world because I did. I mean, we started drinking at the steakhouse, me and Drex, and then he laughed, and I was like, fuck it, I'll get a cab. And then when I left, like, I bought beer from the bar and went back to the hotel, laid in the hotel bed drinking, woke up the next day. I mean, I didn't feel bad. I mean, I felt okay. Yeah, how but, could you? How could you have felt if you? Yeah, were I didn't feel anything. Resting. And you know, I mean, I had a really good meet that day. But yeah, that was fun. That was funny because yeah, Mike Ferguson was like, "Are you drunk?" And I was like, "No." And Fabian was like, "Have you been drinking?" I was like, "I got this," and he didn't say a word. He just, "All right, let's go." And oh I had God. to drive home the next day from the meet with my hands and my shirt like this. Because I, my elbows hurt so bad that I couldn't let him touch anything. You're so dehydrated. And Drex was like, "Thanks for fucking helping me drive home." And I'm like, "Sorry, man." Jeez. Did you guys have a um, a routine when you went to the bar? Because uh, Laura, I've seen way more footage of you than I have you, Tony. Sadly, but every time you went up to squat or bench, as you walked up, it just seemed a totally different person. Then you get to the bar and it was as if you're going through a self-checklist or boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah. And how, because Louie's like, look how she unracks the bar. And how you unracked it told how the squat The whole lift. I tell people all the time, like, like your pickup is everything. It, like, I, I know that from experience that if I, like, I picked it up wrong and I didn't, like, make myself re-rack it and start over, um, then I just knew the lift was going to be wrong. And a lot of times when you're wrapped really tight and you come up to the bar, like you really have one chance to unrack it. Like, yes, you have three, you're like uh, legally, you can have three re-racks or whatever, but if you do not get it right on your first one, like it's, you know, it, the chances of making the lift really go down. So perfecting your pickup is huge. So for me, it was very ritualistic. Like, you know, even from like maybe what side I would come in from, like walk up to the bar, put my chest up to the bar at a certain height, look down at my feet to make sure they were in the right spot. You know, I, um, you know, my toes were angled in the right position and then getting under, like, you know, there's so much, there's so much more talk now about like, you know, all this scientific stuff about bracing and stuff like that. I didn't know any of that back then, but I knew how to do it. You know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing it. I was even down to like how I would like, you know, it looked like I was fidgeting with my feet, but really I was just like trying to root them into the ground to Mm -hmm. really find a spot to make my, once I would feel my hips and hamstrings lock in, that's where I knew I was like in the right spot. You know, so that was just me like fishing around for that, um, that perfect spot. And then once I found it, I was locked in. I would feel everything from like, yeah, my my quads, my glutes, my hamstrings, um, like were loaded, and then I could put pressure up into the bar with my traps and my upper back, um, fill my stomach with air, like my lower stomach, like and 
you know, like I said, like I didn't know I was bracing, but I was bracing. Once I felt my whole body like engage with the bar, then, then all you have to do is like squeeze your legs, basically my glutes and hamstrings um, and hips to take the bar out. So I see people just put all this effort, you know, way too much emphasis and effort into like trying to pick it up. And they like, they don't have that connection with the bar and they just jam it out and then it's unstable, you know, and then the whole descent is unstable. So like definitely for me, everything, like, like I said, for me, technique, that's kind of what I think really set me apart was like how my, those little details, mm -hmm. you know, and even on the bench press, like coming up and, you know, the way I would pull myself through and then, you know, like behind the bar and then through, put my head down first and my traps, set my feet where they needed to be, you know, and, and I would do the same thing with the bench bar, like as I would do with the squat bar. Like when I would put pressure up into the bar to take it out for a squat, I did the same thing. I would put pressure up into the bar for um, the bench press before, you know, I already was like pushing into the bar, even though I wasn't taking the bar out. I was putting pressure into the bar. And then, you know, to hand out to me, it was just like, you're just, I just want you to guide it out. I want to have that connection with the bar to take it out instead of like having someone take the bar out for me and then just unload, mm -hmm. you know, four or 500 pounds into my hands. Um, so it definitely for me, like I, I had so many details and so many like, like rituals or whatever to, to get that right. Uh, otherwise I wasn't going to make the lift. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's literally like, I just picked it up and it was, was so strong. I, was like, I could do fucking, it. fucking don't lose the lore. <laughs> we, we did compete a lot. Don't, like, don't, fuck, <laughs> don't fuck this up. I mean, I don't, I mean. We try. I, that's why he would come like train with me sometimes. If I was like, if I was doing my max efforts in Detroit, is so that I could help him with yeah. with things like that, you know. Because uh, like here at Westside, everybody's so strong. Like you know that I sometimes like once I got like later in my career when I was and I was like learning that the little things I was doing innately were things that I could like help pass along to people. It was yeah. just like, I just want to help these people. Like, you know, they're just like, just yeah. bull strong and they're just manhandling these weights. And it's like, if we just had a little bit more attention to detail, um, you know, but I didn't really have that kind of relationship with every person, you know, like with yeah. him and George and you know, people like that, you know, you know, I could, I could do that. But, and I, and also was like, who am I to be like, Hey, listen to me about like how to pick up the squat bar, you know? That was my problem. I mean, yeah. I just, I was just, I mean, I used to always, like, I kind of looked, took the George Halbert approach. Like he told me one time, he's like, he's like, man, I walk up to the bar and I think to myself, I'm about to watch, watch what I'm about to do, motherfucker. Like, that's, that's what I would think. That's in my how head. I felt. I was yeah. not to be cocky or anything. I just was like, I like want to bring these people to their feet. I remember watching Chuck do that. And I was just like, that's, that's what I want is like to do something that they've never seen before. And like, feet. and yeah. just like, I just, that felt good. Like, that's what I fed off of. I mean, that's the thing It's like, you know, I was like, I, I always like, I'll tell you this. Like I, I just consider myself a mediocre power lifter. And that's all I've, I've always thought that, you know, that's how I've told George. You're one of the that. top and, in the world at 181 at that time. Yeah. But, but I, I said to George at that time, I was like, man, we was, at, we was out. And I was like, I wish I'd have been a better powerless. I said, sucks. I'm just kind of mediocre. He was like, and he sent me a fucking, he would got a hold of Michael Sung and <coughs> got the plaque. And I was like number two at the time. Yeah. And he was like, get sent the plaque to me and sent, had it sent to me in the mail. And that's the great thing about George is he just didn't say a word that day. Like, what are you talking about? He's just, all right, here, I'm going to show right, you. Right. But I learned a lot from George and I learned a lot from her. You know, because, I mean, I, I would train with Laura and, you know, even when she'd come here and train and shit, like, you know, you see, 
it's here's the thing. I got to see greatness in it happening. And I never realized it back mm-hmm. then what the greatness that I got to see happening and all the great things. Because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you're not in that moment. I mean, I mean, I got to see some really cool shit. And, um, you know, and I was also lucky because, like, I'm the type of person if you do something, you know, and I go, oh, shit, I'm as big as you. I can probably do that. And I can say thank Phil Harrington for that. So mm-hmm. that meet I did, the meet she did, the WPL in Chicago, I went there. And I was just right after my neck surgery, and I'm sitting in a warm-up room. And everybody's talking about Phil Harrington, 181 Phil Harrington. And I'm in there, and I'm like, he comes in. I've never met the guy before, and he's, like, coming in and squatting. And I'm sitting directly beside the power, beside the rack and the monolift. And he fucking comes, and he starts to squat next to me. And I fucking looked down. I looked at his legs, and I was like, my fucking legs the same size as this. I can do this. <laughs> and ten and months later, like nine, so. I, to- I totaled uh, one. I totaled eighteen hundred at like one seventy nine. And I could have been way stronger. I mean, that day that I was up there with you guys, I mean, I probably shot. Just, I could probably squat a thousand that day. Literally, I, mean, I always say like, if he could just like, like have a consistent, healthy <laughs> training cycle <laughs> where he slept, drank water. Eat good food. I was like, he'd be the best in the world. But I will tell you this, like I've learned this later in my life, you know, and I'm doing, I have a pretty successful business and a couple of pretty successful businesses now. And um, I've learned a lot about myself through life coaches and business coaches that I've hired. And, you know, I kind of wish back then I maybe could have had some people maybe had a better mindset, you know, um, Instead of that thug mentality that I had, you know, I fuck this, I'm gonna do all this. Um, I, I learned that I'm a I'm an extremely bad self saboteur. You know, George used to tell me all the time, but you know, he's one of my he's my best friend in the whole world. I'm like, hey, fucking just being a dick to me, so who cares? <laughs> but I was a self saboteur, and George would tell you, he'd you be like, you man, good things happening. He's, he's yeah. like, I would always watch you, just all these great things, and you're getting strong, strong, squatting this, doing that, doing this, and you're just like fucking climbing. And he's like, I would tell myself, George told me this. I tell myself, well, it's only matter of weeks a couple weeks he's gonna mm-hmm. fucking fall off the wagon he's gonna disappear he's gonna be you know whatever and you know i was at a really bad place in my life too because you know at, you know there was a point where you know I, I thought you know i lost my wife lost my kids you know i didn't lose my kids but you know we were going through the thing and they weren't there with me every day and those were the things i kind of worked for whatever but then that went away so i went to a point where i was like man you know dude you gotta think about this I woke up in Dallas-Fort Worth Airport with a girl sitting next to me, did not know where the fuck I was at. And the girl's like, you need anything to drink, Tony? And I was like, what's your name? That's how bad it was. And we flew to L.A. And then I stayed there for three days and then came back home and was like, what the fuck? There was moments where I was just like, really, like, what am I trying to do to myself? Sorry. <laughs> You're good. Um, <laughs> so, I'm a self-saboteur. Yes, you are. But not anymore. No. Not anymore. But you always have had everyone else's best interest at heart. Oh, yeah. Like, everyone who came through this door um, that I've been able to witness, anyone knew... You always took my side. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, listen, 
Because there's other people who are like, oh, you're an idiot. We're going to see. Let's throw you to Louis. Right. Like, yeah, go ask Louis that question. And you always took him like, no, listen, mm-hmm. this is how all this works. And those that listened to you, ex- like, had longevity. Those who didn't believe you were like, oh, okay, and did their own thing, had a short life period here. Mm-hmm. Louis's a father. See, if, if people don't understand this, Louis's the true epitome mm-hmm. of what a father should be. I'm not friends with my kids. Okay? They're my fucking kids. We're not friends. I'm your father. There's a level that you have to live up to. I'm not going to allow you to be a fuck up. I'm not going to tell you it's okay. I'm not going to tell, you know, and, 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 and sugarcoat. Louis was the true epitome of how, what a father is. He was a father to me. The man did things for me, him and Doris, and gave me a place to be that It means the world to me. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that fucking, you know, hated Louis and were angry with Louis and shit, but they never understood. That man did everything he could. He was a true father to you. He wasn't going to, you know, he, he wasn't going to tell you how great you did or all these things, you know. He tells Laura. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was a true father to me, man, mm-hmm. and he was consistent. He was never not consistent with me. He was consistently with me, you know. So, I, I mean, I, I want to, you know, that's one thing I wanted to really say here is that, you know, thanks to Lou and Doris for saving my life. Because if you think about how bad of self-saboteur I was, if I didn't have this gym and something to stop me from fucking, you know, doing what I was doing, I wouldn't have made it, you know. And, you know, I've been through a lot of shit in my life that, you know, I wish maybe I'll be more mature about or whatever. But like I said, man, he got I got to see greatness and I got to see greatness for years and years and years. And I mean, I that's the one thing I do want to say is that Lou and Doors um, have always been good to me and they, they've always they've always been good to me and they've always taken care of me. I mean, and they didn't really. All Louis asked is that I gave my best, you know, mm-hmm. and, and be loyal. And that was, you know. Yeah. Well, I hope you know you were. Yeah, I know. Fuck yeah, I'm loyal as <laughs> yeah. fuck to West Side. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm loyal as hell to West Side. I mean, come on. I'd fucking kill for this gym, so. Well, and then, too, I'm not sure if people know this about Laura, is you're the few people who actually would check in with Lou and Doris. And I didn't Lou, check in with like Doris like I should have, but I did check in with Lou. Lou. But uh, Lou would have his schedule where he'd go meet you for yeah. dinners and yeah. always share. Like, this is the stuff behind the scenes that people don't understand oh, or yeah. don't know that Louis had his network. And I've told a story maybe, I don't know how many times, but Louis, uh, since I've been here, first month in, he's like, I can't lose the numbers on my phone. Can't lose them. And it's Louis, so I just expect it to be thousands. Yeah. Because how many coaches have been here? Right. And um, uh, so up in, uh, towards the last days, uh, I couldn't get him a new phone because he wanted a flip phone. And <laughs> Louis goes through phones because he would go whap. He'd close <laughs> the phones and break them. So anyway, we got him a phone, and um, I transferred the numbers over. And I'm like, there's only 14 fucking numbers. <laughs> I'm after losing all his numbers. And I'm like, Doris, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I lost all the numbers. And um, she's like, no, that's it. I'm like, what? Like for like 12 years, I'm 
thousand this must be the biggest because he had his book of numbers but in his phone he had 14 numbers yeah. and, like you were one of them oh to gosh. where he had 14 that, that's all but he had his network and each person had a a role because we were all invited into louis life like this is his universe the gym home he hated leaving columbus like going to meet to, cincinnati was fine newark is fine tennessee was like <laughs> and then but when he invites you into his universe everyone has a role to play because it's all about the betterment of west side but there was people like you where he'd go out and talk to and then he'd come back and he would percolate in everything that was said because louis you'd say something to louis <laughs> on day one and then three days later he'd be like huh and then he'd either overthink <laughs> it or like oh that's a good idea and um that's just the way he was and everyone had a role i said your florida story coaches come in about loyalty like well that tony ramus we turn up the floor and there's a hurricane. He's there. And he would tell that story. But that's a, it's a big part. Uh-huh. I mean, too, like, I mean, everything this gym's done for me, like, I, you know, that's all I'm saying. It's like, I. I wouldn't be coaching people. I wouldn't be, you know, trying to pass on this information. And if, like, all of it is because of opportunities that he, you know, not that he was like laid them in my lap, but he laid the groundwork for him. And I owe him so much, so much. I mean, I remember one time meeting him for breakfast or something like that, you know, in Wilmington, just so that he and Doris could give me a little plaque, you know, when, when Scarlett died, you know, made like a little t-shirt with like a little plaque. And I was like, they just, he loved her. He was like, like he just, he loved her and he just wanted to meet and, you know, show his condolences. He loved dogs and I don't know. There's just so much, but yeah, I feel the same way. I'm literally like, I wouldn't have all you know, anything that I have now. But it's a yin and yang. Have... Without you guys, there is no yeah. West Side. And without Louis, there is no way. So it was everything. Everyone paid. Perfect storm. Yeah. I mean, everything. We were, and we were like, Laura's this way and I'm this way. And we were both really this way. And I said it like, you know, in that fucking movie. And this is what I always believed. We were thoroughbred horses. If you don't perform, take us out back and fucking shoot us. And that's the truth. And I would say that to guys there. Like, listen, man, just... And I think that's why Louie didn't say much to me, because I was a gamer. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if you remember this. Remember when I missed, like, 550 deadlift in the gym? And then two weeks later, I went to the meet and opened at 640. And he's like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> but I didn't care at the gym that day. I cared at the meet. And you know why I cared? Because I was representing Westside. Mm-hmm. And that's what I used to tell people all the time. Like, what are you going to do for Westside? And that's where we were. Like, you know, yeah. it's like. People sh- assume that he meant like, oh, you, if you don't break world records and you can't be here, you're getting kicked out. But like you said, he, everybody has a role. And as long as you're improving or like, you know, performing your role well, you know, then he wants you here, you know. Yeah, don't lay but, down. Right. I mean, Louis right. just didn't want people to lay down, and that's what happened. That's why some people would get – here's what happened. They would either get too big – they would think they were too big for the gym, mm-hmm. or they would just lay down and wait to die. And it's like, uh, you know, we're not going to step over you every day in here and waiting for you to die. Just just move on. You know, we're not going to waste our time with it. And I will tell you, like, I'm honestly – I've seen the greatest lifters in – ever ever in the world come through this gym and i will promise you some of them never became the greatest lifters ever the you brightest know? stars burn out the fastest yeah. i remember him saying that and i was like i will never be I, I that's one of the first thing i think i ever read him saying and i was like i'll never be that person i will never be 
the star that burns out fast, you know, because that's not what, you know, yeah, I mean, Louis you, likes. You, you like can, like, there's times. It's not good. Well, we've hated what we've, where we've done here. Mm -hmm. There's times where I've hated powerlifting. I mean, I can tell you that, you know, there's times where, you know, I was like, I fucking hate doing this. And I'll be honest with you. Worst thing ever happened to me was forgetting my name on that board. I think that was the end of me. I think that was just me just riding through after that. Cause I I just didn't know where else to go. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I and and that's who I am. Dude. I'm kind of that guy. It's like, oh, okay, I did that, and like, and then it just kind of like, and you keep trying to find it. And I'll do everything I can could for the gym, and be respectful to everybody, and do and help everybody out. But f for me to do anything, I don't know. I, I remember feeling really weird about that. Like, ah, I wish my fucking name wasn't on that board. And I wish this wasn't like <laughs> this. Or, you know what I'm saying? It was kind of a weird feeling for me, you know? I mean, and honestly, I didn't feel like my name belonged up there with those people that were up there. These are bad motherfuckers on that board, dude. And I remember looking at them like, Jesus. You know, I just wanted to be a good training partner and a fucking a loyal member to Westside Parkville. <laughs> But there's a very core group that have always been loyal to Westside, loyal to Lou and loyal to Doris. And you can ask anyone, you two are on the top of my list because uh, not many people have done that. And uh, I think it just speaks to what the club is and is supposed to be. So I'd like to thank the two of you for coming. And before we, we end this, is there anything else you want to wrap up on the podcast about Lou or about Westside that you want to get out? Now's your time. I think you that's, go first. I think that's it. like I'm just making sure that, I mean, and I've said it, you know, to everyone I've talked to is just how, how thankful I am. And it just seems so crazy that he's gone. Like it, you know, it just seemed like he was immortal, but he is mm -hmm. truly, he is. But, um, I don't know. I'm just really, really grateful for my time here and for everything that, that Lou and Doris have done for me. I mean, so many memories, you know, so many memories. This is a thing that I've done the longest in my life is this, you know, yeah. um, and I wouldn't have, the relationships that I have and I don't know, just really, really thankful for, for all of this. And I'm looking forward to like, you know, I, I feel even more so than ever right now, just like the, the motivation and the passion to just help like keep that alive. Cause it's so, it was so important to him. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, keeping that going and preserving his legacy. And, um, you know, like he said, you know, prove my methods. It's like, okay, I'll just, just gonna keep on trying yeah. to do that. So and produce champions and multiply because I know that's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm about to say. This is all for you, Lou. Motherfuckers die every day, and that's how Louie would want me to say it because those dudes who have died before, and Louie's told me, Tony, motherfuckers die every day. I'm like, yeah, Lou, they do, <laughs> but fucking, we lost a good one. So, I, I mean, that, like I said, man, that thanks to Doris and Lou and Westside Barbell for everything they've done for me. and um, they gave me a place to fucking give me a place so I didn't fucking fall off the wagon. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you.